for joining us as we hear an anointed word from Treasure Coast Victory Center. I know it's Resurrection Sunday and we should be doing this or should be doing that, but uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm not really a holiday type of guy. I'm not really a uh, Christmas kind of guy, a Resurrection Day kind of guy, uh, because I believe God wants us to live a resurrection life, not recognize that it was done on one day and rejoice in what Jesus has done. He's looking for people to actually live and take advantage of what he's already done. Hallelujah. How many know he's already set you free? How many know he's already raised from the dead? He's not going to do it again, but he wants us to live those kind of lives. He wants us to do that. You know, pretty soon we'll be doing Pentecost. The Holy Ghost will come down and everybody will be excited. But the Holy Ghost is always here. Not just one time, you know, during the year when the church gets all excited about, here comes the Spirit of God, let's do this, let's do that. I mean, the Spirit of God is with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And there's a difference between knowing those things and living those things. And I think God's looking for people to start living those things now. That's just my perspective. So that's not, that's not in the Bible or anything, so praise God. Open your Bibles, go to Romans chapter 8. I know you all like that, but it's too bad. When you wear the crown, then you can say what you want to say, praise God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and have a new crystal goblet. Until then, just stay in your seat. I want you to become prepared to receive next week your healing, no matter. It doesn't have to be something big. Maybe it's just allergies you've been fighting for the last 25 years. Maybe it's, it doesn't matter what it is, it needs to go. Thank you, Mary. Praise God. I'm glad you're here this morning. It has to go. You don't understand. You've been born into a kingdom of freedom. Your year of jubilee isn't coming every 50 years anymore. It's already come, and you should, we should be living in jubilee. And believe it or not, there's times in my life where I have to fight things on my physical body. I know it's hard to believe with a physical specimen like this, but there are times when I have to put up a fight <laughs> against things that come against me. Glory to God. And is it fun? No. It's not fun. But the victory's fun. Yeah. Victory tastes good, yeah. praise God. Hallelujah, glory to God. Hi, right. Romans chapter 8. We've been talking about the anointing in a roundabout way, but we've been going off into everything different. So, Romans chapter 8, look at verse 9. But you are not in the flesh. How many know that's good? But you are in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is what? Notice, he is none of his. So what happened? The day that you got born again, the day that you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and basically entered the kingdom of God, at that time you were made the righteousness of God in Christ through the blood of Jesus, had really nothing to do with you. You were just declared, you were declared free through the blood by entering into the kingdom of God. And at that time, the Spirit of Christ came to live on the inside of you. Say, the Spirit of Christ, Spirit of Christ. lives on the inside of me. Now, if you ever do a study of the Spirit, you'll find out he's not only the Spirit of Christ, he's the Spirit of faith. He's the spirit of God himself, and the Bible says he's the spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. That's the spirit that rests on the inside of you this morning. And the Bible says everything that God does, he does by his spirit, not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. So let me just give you the tail end of what's going to happen. Sooner or later, this whole earth is going to vanish away, and there's going to be a new earth down here, and you're going to be brought here, and you're going to be here to rule and reign on that earth. And you're going to be basically, according to the Bible, you're going to have some rewards that are there. But any rewards you get are from what you are doing right now through the Spirit of God on the inside of you, not just what you do. Are you following me? If it's not in the anointing, not with the Spirit of God, not with the call of God on your life, then basically you can do the wrong thing at the wrong time. Are you listening this morning? 
I think the, the, one of the biggest tragedies in the whole world is to get to the end of your life and figure out you've been successful in something that God never called you to do. I mean, I'd rather be successful for a little while in what God called me to do than go a whole life and not find out what it is. So the Spirit of God is on the inside of you. He is like a well, the Bible says. Say a well. A well. Now, I was, I'm old enough to remember the farm days when you had a pump and you pumped the handle. When you pumped the handle, the water came up and it was nice, fresh water down there. That's, that's what they were thinking about back here. A well. A well was a spring of life back then. A well, because there was not a whole lot of water around, you had to have a well wherever you settled in order to stay alive. So the Spirit of God on the inside of you is like a well, and He is the most important thing in your life as far as staying alive in the Spirit and doing what God wants you to do. You have a well. Say, I have a well on the inside of me. The church has called it, you're saved, you have a salvation experience, but they've never gone much further than that and told you that the Spirit of God is actually living on the inside of you. The Bible says you are a temple of the living God, as God has said, I will walk in you, I will dwell in you, I will be your God, and you shall be my people, praise God. So that's the good news about salvation. Salvation is not, I'm going to heaven. Salvation means I've received the Savior. I have the Savior in my life. I have the Savior on the inside of me. Now, through that anointing on the inside of you, God wants to work through that His Spirit and your spirit together to get things done in this earth realm for His kingdom, which resides in heaven. So the salvation experience, basically, you have the Spirit of Christ on the inside of you. Say, I have the Spirit of Christ in me today. It doesn't matter whether I feel like it or not. He's in there. Okay, go to John chapter 1. Same bug was here Wednesday night. He must have not went anywhere. He keeps coming back around and attacking me here. What is it? Is that what it is? That's a lot better than anything. You could have said some other things, so I'm just going to take that and say, yeah, you're probably right. Praise God. All right, John chapter 1, look at verse 29. It says, the next day John sees Jesus coming unto him and says, Behold, the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. Now look at verse 33. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which is baptized with the Holy Ghost. Now notice, here's two experiences, and these are basically two reasons why Jesus came. Number one, the salvation experience. What was he? The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. How many know you're part of the world? So when he took away your sins, he made you righteous. And at that time, you had your salvation, born-again experience, and it became a well on the inside of you. But now notice, here's another thing Jesus did. He came to baptize you with someone called the Holy Ghost. Now, this well on the inside of you, there's another experience that it's springing up on the inside of you. There's times when it will get so full, it will come out and come upon you, basically. So there's a spirit in you, and there's a spirit upon you. Are you listening? You have a well of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, and what comes upon you is basically out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. So notice, two levels. Say two levels. You know, we sing that song, Levels, and we want to go up to another level. Most people aren't living in the first level, so your chances of living in the second level aren't very good. In other words, there's two levels here. Jesus gave you the salvation experience with the Spirit of God on the inside of you. What's he in there for? Well, the Bible says he's to lead you, and he's to guide you where? into all truth. Say all truth. Notice he's not leading you and guiding you into the next storm. He's not leading and guiding you into a disaster. He's not leading and guiding. He leads and guides you into all 
Truth. Why? Because the more truth you get, the less lies and false things you have in your mind go. And the more truth you get, the freer you become because you will then know the truth and the truth will make you free. Praise God. So here's the Holy Ghost in you 24 hours a day, seven days a week through something called your small voice on the inside. Some people call it the conscience. But how many know when you're walking and you hear this voice or this urging or this inkling to do something on the inside? How many know when you've did it, it's worked out? How many know when you heard that voice and didn't do it? How many know it didn't work out very well? Why is that? Because the Spirit of God knows you better than you know you. The Spirit of God knows what He wants to do on the inside of you. So basically, He's leading you. He's guiding you with the still, small voice. So what happens? Once God starts leading you by the Spirit of God, then once the Spirit upon you will get active because it comes from the well, comes from the river, and now you have the Spirit upon you. What's the Spirit upon you for? It's not really for you. It's for people around you. What for? For you to heal people, for you to deliver people, for you to people to give the gospel, for you to set the captives free. The anointing spirit upon you is for others, but the anointing in you is for you. The entrance of his word brings you light. Why? So you can walk in the light as he is in the light. Well, what happens if I step out of the light and step into darkness? Then I'm not walking in the light as he is in the light. So the key is to keep this anointing in you alive and well and active and connected to God so that the spirit upon you will operate in power coming out of your life. Are you listening? And notice, nobody I found out, this is the greatest revelation, one of the greatest ones I ever did. Nobody can mess with the anointing of God in me if I don't let them. Now, the anointing upon you can be messed with because you can pray for somebody and cast the devil out and maybe they want that devil and how many know he ain't going to go? You can pray for somebody who don't want healed or don't believe in healing. It may not work for you. But this anointing I have on the inside of me, this anointing of peace, this anointing of joy, this anointing of victory, this anointing of happiness, this anointing of living above the world is in me and nobody can touch that unless I let them touch that. Unless somebody can mess me up or get in there and try to, try to make a mistake. So what do I want to do? I want to grow into the things of God so that I grow into a place where I learn how to protect what God has already given me, which is the well on the inside. What comes at you? Worry every day. Fear every day. People. Come on, you like to worry and fear, but when I said people, you said, oh yeah, now I know what he's doing. Amen, now I got it, praise God. Now I know what he's talking about. Yeah, people, other things, circumstances, situations in your life, they're coming in your life, and they're going to come in your life. Now the devil brings some, and some is just because you're living. It's the way it works. You're going to run into situations, run into circumstances. So what do I want to do? I want to go through those situations and circumstances, protecting the anointing on the inside of me. So I respond in those situations as opposed to, I walk through those situations, and I come out on the other side with that same well that I had on the inside of me. And you know when your well is well. <laughs> and you know when your well isn't well. And when your well isn't well, you need to go back and find out why your well isn't well so it become well again so that you come into a place where rivers can flow out of the inside of you. Are you following me? Because the Spirit of God is the most important thing in your life. This well on the inside of you is what you need in there. And, and once this stops flowing, how many know the power of God stops flowing out of the inside of you to set other people free? I mean, when you start going to pray for people, when you ever decide, I'm really going to start helping people, somebody calls you to go to the hospital, and you've got to drive maybe 35 minutes to get there, I guarantee you you're going to run into nine different things to make you mad on the way there. Try to upset you. Try to get you bent out of shape. Try to get you mad. Try to get you... So when you get there, you need prayer more than the person you were going to pray for. 
See, the devil's afraid of the anointing. You don't understand. He's not afraid of you. He's afraid what you got, praise God, on the inside of you because he knows that spirit of God will squash him every single time he comes, praise God, and tries to get in your life. But you are the one that makes the decision. We talk on Wednesday nights about the kingdom of God and you having dominion. You have dominion in your life. You don't have to worry every time it's time to worry like the world does. You don't have to fret every time it's time to fret. You don't have to get angry every time you get angry at a situation. Some people will get angry and say, you know that makes me angry. That's always made me angry. Well, stop it. Grow up. Come out of babyhood. Stop it. Quit doing that. The Bible never said, thou shalt become angry when thou doest that to thouest. No, you have a decision, see, and we've been taught we're just victims of the world, and whatever happens, happens, and if things are going good, then we're happy, and if things aren't going good, then we're sad, but it doesn't have to be that way. You can rise above that, because we're in it for the long goal. We're in to get done with the Spirit of God on the inside of us, all that God has called us to do, so when this whole thing's over with, thank God, and there's no more curse, and there's no more sickness, and there's no more disease, and there's no more ugly people, and there's no more any of this stuff, then we're going to be in a position where we're living righteousness with everyone who's there, but what you do now makes the difference. Are you following me? What you do then ain't going to make a difference. Who are you going to save? You're going to bring into righteousness when they're already there. So you've been put here through a period of time right now to get something done in your life, and you're only going to get that done by following the Spirit of God who's on the inside of you, who's leading you and guiding you in every circumstance and every situation. That's why when you're called to a ministry or you're called to do something for God, you always start out small. You don't want to start out big. You want to start pastoring a church of a thousand people your first day there because you'll be in the sane asylum two weeks later wondering why God ever called you into the ministry, ministry, ministry. Come on, if you're workplace, I wish I was the boss. Do you? I mean, if you can't quit griping, complaining, hollering, moaning as a worker and you get in that position, not only will you be griping, complaining, moaning, but everybody else will be doing it to you. And see how ye like it when nobody likes what ye doing. You see? So it's all part of your daily walk. This is a daily thing that James says when tribulations and trials comes, rejoice. I thought you got to be out of your mind. But that's what he says. Why is that? Here's another opportunity for me to quit being a child and grow up to be a son of God. What do sons of God do? They destroy the works of the devil. Why? Because they're well as active on the inside that allows that river to set people free. So what am I doing? I'm going to walk there. Now, new Christians and baby Christians, how many know we need to pray for them a lot? We need to help them a lot. We need to change their diaper quite a bit. Come on, they're just like babies in the natural realm. They don't know that much yet, so they're still worried. They're still fearful. But after 20 years, come on, it's time to grow up a little bit, isn't it? It's time to find you and catch yourself doing these things. I got to catch myself all the time doing this stuff still, and I've been in this a long time. I study the Word. I, I do this stuff, but I tell you, you get away from the Word a little bit, and this stuff just naturally comes back. It's like a weed. It's like weeds. I mean, we could have a dry spell here, not rain for 40 days and 40 nights. We'd still have weeds. They'd be nice and green. Isn't that the truth? It grows up. It's the same way in your life. Once you get disconnected a little bit from the Word and all this stuff, all this stuff starts popping back in your life. Pretty soon, you, you're saying cuss words you thought you forgot. Where did that as thou has come from? And you're getting thoughts in your mind that you wouldn't even think about thinking. Pretty soon your TV's on and there's something on there you wouldn't even watched a month ago, but it don't really matter now. Just flick through the channels and do what happened? You've disconnected, see? You've made a mistake there. Something's after your well on the inside. Something's after your righteousness, your peace, and your joy, trying to take that out of the inside of you. Why? So you do not function in that anointing that's on the inside of you. And that anointing will slowly lead you and guide you into whatever he wants you to do in everyday situations. People can get set free. People can get touched. 
much. I mean, it, there's just so many opportunities in the day for you to operate in that anointing, but you need to be in that anointing in order to do it. And if you get to a place where you haven't been around the anointing much, you haven't had heard the word much, and you think you're all right, all at once will be a time to pray, and it's even hard for you to pray. Can't even think of a word. And then try praying in the Holy Ghost, you're back to la ba 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 you lost your whole Holy Ghost prayer because you haven't practiced it. You haven't did it before. God wants our well to be fully pumped and ready to go at all times because he has called us to do things in our life. Now, now the Spirit of God on the inside of you gives you the ability to walk in peace and joy and in love and walk in the ways of God. The Spirit upon gives you the ability or the enablement. Say enablement. Amen. The Spirit upon gives you the enablement to do whatever God calls you to do. Isn't that good? And here's the thing. When God calls you to do something... He never asks you if you can do it. See, when he called me to pastor, he never asked me if I dropped out of speech class as a freshman because I didn't want to talk in front of people. He never even brought that up. Never brought it up. I brought it up. I remember it well. Remember back when I was a freshman and I went to class two days and the third day I went, they said, prepare a speech to give in front of the class. And I said, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to typewriting. Let me tell you, that was worse yet. You know what you did back then? You took typing, typing tests. Remember those things? And they'd get you type, and you type, and they'd say, stop. <laughs> then they'd give you another one, and they'd type, stop. So what I did was I did the first one, the second one, and I started back on the first one. Number two. <laughs> so see, my second one didn't have many lines, but my first one really got bigger every time she said go again on another one. So I got two of them that weren't very good, but boy, that first one, I tell you, I wrote a whole book on that baby. Why is that? Because I was trying to get through something that I just couldn't do. But it was the way. I, did, I was afraid to talk in front of people. I didn't want to talk in front of people. I didn't want, so God calls and says, you're going to be a pastor. And of course, I said, sure, great. Don't, don't you remember when I was a freshman? Did you have a memory lapse? What happened to you? Notice, he don't care what you can do. He's not interested in what you can and can't do. He's interested in will you trust the anointing of God that's on your life to do whatever he tells you to do, even though it sounds ridiculous in your own life. And when you step into that place, the anointing of God will come upon you, and the enablement will come, and you'll be able to understand the word. You'll be able to preach the gospel. You'll be able to do whatever God calls you to do. You know, sometimes we pull scriptures out of the Bible, and we use them as, as Christian cliches all the time. You know, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. You talk to somebody about something goofy in the natural. I can do that because I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Well, let me tell you, I'd like to dunk. And I can't do all things in Christ who strengthens me. I've jumped, I've believed for an enablement, and it just never enabled me to get more than three inches off the ground. It didn't make any difference. So you just can't take that out with everything. Are you fine? In other words, what God calls you to do, he gives you an enablement to do that in your life. And that's when you can do all things through him who strengthens me. It doesn't mean all things. And people use that for everything in the natural and everything else. No, find out what God calls you to do, then trust that enablement to do that in your life. See, the two girls up here it stepped into that. They didn't know what I was thinking. They didn't know what I wanted to do. They didn't know anything, but they just stepped out in the thing. The enablement comes upon them. Now they're singing. Now they're doing this stuff. There's an enablement that comes upon your life that allows you to do what God has called you to do. There's an enablement in your life to be a good dad. There's an enablement in your life to be a good mom. There's enablement in your life to be a good worker. There's enablement in your life to be a good boss. There, all these enablements are here, but you've got to tend to that well that's on the inside of you because that's where the Spirit of the Lord is and wants to lead you and guide you into the things that are in your life, praise God. And that's why if, if you're in a church, I mean, I've been in churches already where they claim that you're saved, but you're a sinner. Well, if I'm a sinner, 
then I'm not fit to have the Holy Ghost in me. And if I'm not fit to have the Holy Ghost in me, I'm not fit to have the anointing. And if I'm not fit to have the anointing, I'm not have the enablement. And basically, I can't do nothing but try to stop becoming a sinner. And that's what religion will do to you. It'll try to get you to become what God has freely made you. See, righteousness came through the Lord and through the blood. It doesn't come through religion. It doesn't come from doing this, doing that, doing... No, it came... It was a freebie. Jesus already paid for it, and you walked into that when you got in the kingdom of God, praise God. You don't have to die to yourself. You're dead if you read the Bible. If you got born again, the old man was crucified once and for all, and the only way you're ever going to be free from sin is understand that he's already dead, and you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new in my life. So I'm a brand new creation. And the next verse says, and all things are of God. Hallelujah. I'd rather have things of God than of the devil. So what am I? I'm a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Well, you remember what you used to do? Don't matter. He died. He's already dead. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I don't do that. Well, you were an alcoholic years ago. Well, he died. Man, you should have saw him. He died December 21st, 1985. Fell right on the floor of that Catholic church. He's probably still laying down there. Praise God. Probably still desiring to have a drink. But he died on that day, and I'm a brand new creation now. See, that separates you from who you were in your past, and, and that's one thing you've got to get over. You can't live in your past and go anywhere. Christianity is not a journey, praise God. It's a decision to believe what God has already made you. And when you start believing what he did, when I start believing that the Spirit of God lives on the inside of me, when I start believing that the power of God is in my life, when I start believing when I lay hands on the sick, they do recover. When I speak and resist the devil, he flees. But these things have to be done once again. You just can't know the Scripture. You've got to do what the Scripture tells you to do in order for these things to come to pass in your life. And many people step out on the anointing to do something, but resistance comes. Say, resistance comes. How many have ever had any resistance? See, it comes, doesn't it? And it doesn't come from in here. It comes from out here. It comes from these little voices and all these things out here. Peter heard the word come from Jesus. He figured that was a good word. He stepped out of that boat, praise God, and the Bible says he walked on the water. Say he walked on the water. Now, how many know that's supernatural? You just can't go out and walk on the water today. Try it. It won't work for you, but it said he walked on the water, but what happened? All at once he looked at the wind looked at the waves, looked at those people who were talking about him, looked at the way his job was working, looked at his bank account, looked at his body, looked at everything else, and he started to sink. What does that do? The natural pulls you out of that anointing that's on the inside of you. Say, I have an anointing on the inside of me. All right, go to Galatians chapter 4. Even the Bible gives a little indication in one of the Gospels that says, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. And since the world didn't give it to me, the world can't. But you can give it away. You can give your joy away if you want to. And there'll be plenty of opportunities to do it, praise God, during your daytime. But you've got to understand there's something more important on the inside of you that's in there that's got to be in there. Hallelujah. All right, Galatians chapter 4. Look at verse 1. This is interesting. Now I say that the heir, are you an heir? As long as he is a child, differs nothing from a slave, though he be Lord of what? Now, is that talking about you? Now, there's some good parts to that, and there's some bad parts, aren't they? Notice, now I say that the heir, which is you, as long as he remains a child, basically in the things of the Spirit, he differs nothing from a servant, although he is what? Lord of all. So we have a lot of people in the kingdom of God who are Lord of all in the kingdom of God, but they're living like servants. 
Why is that? Because they're being tossed, the Bible says, to and fro by every wind of doctrine that's out there. Yes, I'm anointed. No, I'm not anointed. Yes, I'm blessed. No, I'm not blessed. And why they pulled back and forth? Because they're gravitating between what God has said and the natural realm that's out there that pulls you out every single time. And as long as you're going to live as a child, you're going to have difficulties and you're going to need someone to help you in those situations. You're going to need somebody at that time. And once again, that's fine if you're a new creation or a new Christian. We're, older people are here and more mature people, that's what we're here for is to help you in those situations. But you have to protect that anointing that's on the inside of me. Say, I need to I need protect, the anointing, protect the, anointing on the, inside of me. On the inside of me. All right. On these two levels of the anointing, level number one, the anointing within you, it's like a well. Basically, it came on the inside of you. It's salvation. That depends on you finding out who you are in Christ. When I find out who I am in Christ, that anointing will be alive on me. In Christ. Or you can look in the Bible. It says, in Christ, in whom? In Christ, I'm a new creation. In Christ, I'm more than a conqueror. In Christ, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. In Christ, I'm holy. In Christ, I'm healed. In Christ, I'm delivered. All these things in Christ, basically, are things that you can grab a hold of and have. And the more you understand who you are in Christ, the more that well will stay alive on the inside of you. The anointing upon you is discovering who Christ is in you. Say, Christ is in me. How many know Christ is the power of God on the inside of you? So the power of God is there to destroy. So if you know who you are in Christ, you will live healed. If you know who Christ is in you, it'll make you a healer. If you know who you are in Christ, you'll be a victory liver. If you know who Christ is in you, you'll be a victory giver. If you know who you are in Christ, it'll make you live free from the devil and the curse. If you know who you, you are in Christ, you will be able to destroy the works of the devil. So what am I going to do every day? I'm going to protect this anointing that's on the inside of me. And you go back and you read the, you read the four Gospels. How many know that Jesus had to protect the anointing just like you do? He got no free pass. He's walking around. How many know he came to him a couple times they wanted to throw him off of a cliff? How many know that may deal with the anointing on the inside of you or get you out of it? How many know he had disciples? Come on. I mean, they were a problem. You read it, man. These, these guys, I mean, they almost drove him nuts, for gosh sakes. Always fighting. Who's going to be the greatest? I'm going to be the greatest. No, you're going to be. I'm, we're going to be the greatest. My mama went and talked to him, and we're going to be the greatest. That's the way we're going to. The other ten saying, well, no, we want to be the greatest. And then there's Judas. Great offering. We received 50, I mean, $25 in that offering, Lord. And the problem was Jesus knew. I mean, he wasn't doing it on the slide. Jesus knew what he was doing there. But yet Jesus, you'll find out, never came up to somebody and said, and they said, I'm blind. Can you do anything for me? Not today. Dear Lord, not today. My disciples have been a pain. I can't pray for anybody today. I'm just trying to find some peace and joy someplace. Not today. I ain't praying for you. Would you deliver me today? Oh, not today. Come back on Friday. It gives me a couple of days to get back in the spirit. No, he stayed connected to the spirit no matter what was going on, 24 hours a day, seven days days a week. And you're going to find out as you really get serious about this and want to protect that anointing, that the things that are stealing your anointing just aren't that big to begin with. The only place they're big is here. People say you make a mountain out of a molehill. Many times we do that. Something that's very small, something that a lot of people worry about stuff that hasn't even happened yet. They worry about it for two weeks, then two weeks come, and it never does happen. And they were worrying about something that never happened and never not going to happen for two weeks, and they were out of the anointing the whole time. We don't have to do that. You want to walk in righteousness, peace, and joy. How many of you think you'll live longer if you do that? 
Come on, we all know stress is no good. We all know strife is no good. We all know that worrying is no good. We all know that fear is no good. It all affects your physical body. And many of the, many of the stuff in the, in the body of Christ that needs healed is simply healing yourself of walking in that anointing so it rises on the inside of you. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and he will quicken, strengthen, heal your mortal body, but only when that well is still springing up on the inside of you at the time, praise God. All right, go to Matthew chapter 4. Say, I have an anointing. I've ran into ministers. I'll tell you what, they run around all week long. Of course, they've got a lot bigger churches than I do, so I can't really judge them. But they run around all week long stomping fires out from people in their church. Well, by the time they get to the pulpit, how many know there's no fire there? Because they've been stomping all week long. Their foot's sore. They don't have anything to preach on because they've been stomping out fires. I'm telling you what, you can't do that. You can't run around and be in everybody else's problems, issues, and stuff, and then expect to walk in that stuff. You're going to have to pick your fights. You don't have to save the whole world. You just got to save where the anointing draws you to save someone. If you go to someone and you try to explain something to them and they, and they butt in every time before you get your sentence done, move on. Go someplace because you're going to waste your time. They don't want to hear what you got to say. They want you to hear their problems. Well, I just want to tell you about my husband. Well, let me tell you what the Bible. No, you don't understand about my husband. He's just what well, the Bible. I don't care what. Well, let me tell you what it says. You think, Jesus. You don't want to sit there for an hour of that. Or you're going to need prayer. Just say, hey, praise God. Let me pray for you. Heal him. Out the door you go, get the heck out of there. Do you understand? They don't want it. But when you find somebody who's really needy, who comes to you, I mean, when you open their mouth, they are hanging on every single word that comes out of your mouth, and you don't even know what you're saying half the time when it comes out because it's drawing on that anointing on the inside of you. The Bible says when you come to a place where you don't know what to say, just relax because the Spirit of the Lord will tell you what to say in those situations, but not if you're not hooked up to it. Not if you've been in worry land and fear land and doubt land the whole week and then you're trying to dig in there and get something out. No, just walk in that realm of peace and joy and love. It's available to each and every one of us. Some people are so far from it, they can't, they can't even believe it. I mean, some of the relation that I got can't believe there is a life like that. Ain't a life like that. Nobody's supposed to live in peace and joy all the time. That's not what we're put here for. Oh, yes, it is. That's what the Bible says we're put here for. But they've lived in it so long and been in it so long that they just think it's the norm. And if they think you're some kind of weirdo, if you don't do those kind of things. Hallelujah. But it's your anointing on the inside of you that you're concerned with. It's that well on the inside of you that you've got to deal with, praise God. All right, Matthew chapter 4. Is that where we're going? Look at verse 19. And Jesus said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in the ship of Zebedee their father, many of their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed them. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness and disease among the people. And his fame went throughout Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases, torments, and those that were possessed with devils, and those that were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. Praise God, I love that scripture right there. How many know that covers a lot of sickness, a lot of disease? But notice what he was doing here. Jesus was basically calling people to follow him. What was he saying? Come with me, and I will show you how to do this. 
In other words, I will disciple you to do this. Then he told his disciples to go into all the world and make disciples. Say disciples. disciples. Notice, he never called us to make dependents. He called us to make disciples. What's a dependent? Someone who's dependent on Sunday morning service to stay alive. Dependent on Wednesday night to stay alive. Dependent on calling someone on the phone to stay alive. They're dependent on someone else to try to protect the anointing on the inside of them. But a disciple is someone who's following Jesus, talking like Jesus, living like Jesus, thinking like Jesus, acting like Jesus, basically following what Jesus has already done. I'll tell you the difference. A regular Christian can be anointed one day and be completely down and out the next day. They can be on fire after Wednesday night and down in the dumps by Thursday morning, up and down. But a disciple remains the same no matter what's going on around them any time because God is looking for disciples. Say disciples. disciples. One thing about disciples, break the word down. Disciple means discipline. Ooh, hate that word. Discipline. So a disciple has to be disciplined. What does that mean? That means that you are in a position right now where you're disciplined to understand the well on the inside of you and the importance of that well so that you are going to do everything that you can to keep somebody from messing up that well. I'm going to walk in that well. I'm going to be in that well. I need the anointing of God. I got to have the anointing of God today. I've got to pray in the morning. Not should I pray in the morning? Do I have to pray in the morning? I've got to hook back up to that anointing from whatever happened last night while I was sleeping to get into a place where I've got that well active on the inside of me. Here's what happens basically. You get addicted to the anointing of God on the inside of you. There's an addiction on the inside of you to walk in that anointing. And anything that comes against it, you know it right away. Praise God. You know something hit me here, and, and that's not out of line. Or I heard this, and that's no good. And, and I said that, and I shouldn't have said that. And I do this, and I do that, and I do all these things. You start catching yourself in the spirit and keeping that clean on the inside of you. So the anointing's operating on the inside of you. See, when I was an alcoholic and a drunk, I was a good one. I was not a dependent. I was a disciple. I had to have it. I knew where to get it. It was not a take or leave. It was a take, and I needed it. See? It wasn't like a dependent, well, a social drinker. Well, I might have one tonight. Might have one next week. Don't have to have it. D-d-d-d. We got a, social, a lot of social Christians. Well, I'll get touched by God next time he lays hands on people and says, Makate la Moshe and I'll have the anointing again, and I'll try to hang on to it. No, 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 no. No, no, this is a lifestyle. This is the way to do things. I mean, I mean when I was an alcoholic, I had a habit. I knew where to get it. I didn't care what it costs. See, when you, when you get addicted to the anointing of God on the inside of you and know the importance, you ain't going to care what it costs you in your time and your efforts and your pursuing the things of God and going after the things of God because you know it's what you need in your life. And without it, you're not going to be a good husband. Without it, you're not going to be a good dad. Without it, you are going to stink as a pastor. Without it, all these things that you want to do, you're not going to be able to do because they all got to be done in the anointing of God to begin with in order for it to work in your life. People say, well, Brother Tom, the Bible says I have an anointing. You do. Do you know you have it? Are you watching it? Are you protecting it? Are you flowing in it? Are you in righteousness, peace, and joy? You're right. You've got one, but that doesn't mean it's going to work in your life. There's pumps on the, in the farms, out on the farms, but if you don't pump the handle, it don't make any difference. Hey, we got a pump. Good for you. We're dry, but we got a pump. Pump the handle. We're all dry. Yeah, you ought to be dry. Pump the handle. And it's the same way with us. There's something on the inside that you can pump, some basically on the inside you can see. No one can zap you out of the anointing unless you allow them to do it. Nobody can take it away. And it don't have to be a buddy. It can just be a circumstance. It can just be a thing. There's sometimes when I'll say things that aren't even, nothing wrong with them, but I'll get a check. Did you ever do that? Yeah. And then you say, well, why shouldn't I have said that? And then later on you find out 
why you shouldn't have said that. You know, it wasn't wrong. It just was going to affect another person in a way that you didn't know it was going to affect them at the time that you said it, but you found out later what you said did not help the situation. Yeah. Are you listening? Because the Holy Ghost knows everything, see? He knows everything about it. And that's that sometimes it... There's times when I've called people to pray for someone who had a certain problem not knowing that that person was struggling with the same problem. And all I did was reinforce in their mind the problem they were struggling with because I brought it up in prayer. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let's say that, let's say that somebody was having a, a foot problem and they were worried. They haven't been to the doctor. They can't walk. Their foot's got this on. Their foot's got that on. They don't know what they're doing. And then somebody calls me and says, hey, pastor, would you pray you know, for, for my foot problem, a different person? And I'll call the prayers. And they happen to be one of the prayers. And I, right before I, I tell them to pray, I just tell them to pray. And I, and I feel a check like I'm not supposed to tell them what to pray for. Just tell them to pray. But I said, well, this is what you got to pray for. You got to pray because they got a foot. And from what I've heard, they, they've got a lot of bad news with that foot. And they don't know if the toes are going to stay on that foot or whatever. And we just need to pray. And I hang up the phone and once they're looking at their toes going which one's going to fall off first see and I didn't know are you following me I didn't know what I was doing at the time but there was a check in me when I did it that said you shouldn't uh, reveal that and why and then later on you run to the person the person says boy I was having foot problems when you called me and you sure didn't help me much with my foot problems to pray for that other person because I start to feel better about my foot problems now I really believe I got foot problems and but see what I mean you didn't know? it goes deeper than just not I'm not going to sleep around I'm not going to shoot somebody I'm not going to kill somebody the Holy Ghost will take you so deep that you've got to be careful in different areas of your life and when you hear his voice he will check you There'll be a check there because there's other people involved. There's other people that are doing things like that. So that's what he wants to do. He wants to lead us and guide us into all truth. What does he want to do that for? To keep that relationship with us so our well's primed up and we can start going around and extending the kingdom of God into other people's lives. All right, one more. Go to John chapter 4. I went to the baseball game yesterday. Aaron's game was down at Kaiser University in West Palm Beach. Sat my chair up like I always do, right there by home plate. Sat there, was ready for a good game. And there was some guy from Kaiser who sat back in the bleachers behind me. And, I mean, he had a word for everything. Throw the ball, they can't hit it. Them Warner kids are no good. They'll never be able to hit that ball. Just throw it by and throw it in there. So I sat there for about five or seven minutes. And I said, Lord, either I'm going to stay in the anointing or I'm going to step out just for a little bit and then I'm going to come back in. That's the way we do it here. And the Lord said, pick up your chair, take it down the first baseline where you can't hear this guy anymore and set up shop there. And I said, just give me five minutes. That's all I'm, five little minutes. No, no five minutes. Pick up my chair, take it, take it down the line. Sit it down there. Everybody says, hey, you're not sitting on my home plate. I said, no, it's just nicer out here. I don't know what it was. So sometimes those things happen, and sometimes you've got to move, you know what I mean, rather than deal with the thing. So, all right, John chapter 4. It would really been nice if my wife came to pick me up out of jail for getting in a fight at the thing. That usually looks good in the paper. Pastor of Treasure Coast Victory Center beats up man from Kaiser during baseball game. There's times in the old days when... All right, John chapter 4. Look at verse 23. But the hour cometh and now is, when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, and the Father seeks such to worship him. God is spirit, 
and they that worship him must worship him in what? Now notice it says that the hour for this is when? Right now. The hour is now when true worshipers who worship in spirit and truth. True worshipers basically are those people who are led by the Spirit of God, who are hooked on the anointing of God, who are led by the Spirit of God and stay connected to the truth at all times. They choose to abide in the anointing, and the anointing abides in them, and they live an anointed lifestyle 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now notice what it says. The Father is seeking such to worship Him. What's He looking for? He's looking for disciples. He's looking for kingdom people who are going to live in the anointing, the anointing within them, leading them into all truth. That's a way of worshiping your Father. It's just not coming on Sunday morning for 15 minutes, say, I worship you, I worship you, I worship you, I worship you. That's part of it. But basically, you want to live a life of worship to the Lord. You want a life of worship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 20 and 21. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither worship in this mountain nor at Jerusalem you will worship the Father. What's he saying here? It's not a place. It's not even a time. It's basically a lifestyle to where we're worshiping the Lord, staying in communication with Him, keeping our well flowing on the inside of us. The anointing of God will abide in you if you abide in the anointing that's on the inside of you. So now this week coming up, it's a little bit afternoon. Chances are you're going to run into things that are going to try to squash that anointing on the inside of you. What are you going to do? You're just going to... Get rid of those things. You're going to recognize those things. You're going to see them coming, and you're going to get rid of those things. Why? So you learn this day by day. This is something that takes a while. This is just not something where they lay hands on you, and all at once all the issues and problems that come into your life are a piece of cake anymore. Sometimes we have patterns where we've been doing things a long time that we have to catch ourselves and break those things. But if you ask the Spirit of God to do that, He's very good at that kind of stuff, and He will help you in your life to live an anointed life because He needs anointed people to do what he's called us to be. Say, I'm anointed. I'm anointed. Say, I really, am. I really am. Look at the person on your right. Say, I'm really anointed. I'm really anointed. Person on your left, say, I am really anointed. Really anointed. <laughs> Hallelujah. Feels good just to say it, don't it? Yes. Praise God. So you have an anointing. Hallelujah. Go live in that anointing. Operate in that anointing. Have victory in that anointing. Have peace and joy in that anointing. Catch yourself when you lose your peace and joy and just walk in the anointing that belongs to you. Hallelujah. for listening. For more from Treasure Coast Victory Center, visit us at mytcbc.com.